Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for a rare Tuesday episode uh, this week 11 of the NBA season. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, it is 2024. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited about that. Of course, I am uh, your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. And uh, I'm joined by our usual Monday co-host. But since we're on a Tuesday, he's joining us today. Uh, Wyatt, how are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing well, Karsten. So far, 2024 has been okay. It's been distinctly <laughs> average. <laughs> it has been 100% decent. It has been passable. It's been an okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's been good. I I've enjoyed the start to the year, and I think uh, you know you're you're probably the same as me. Have some New Year's resolutions, maybe, but uh, you know, I I'm curious actually. Did we talk about that before we went off air? last time last time yeah last time we did i couldn't remember and last exactly. time i was in the like i have you know mildly thought about it but haven't like really sat down and you know written one out or multiple out mm-hmm. and i'm still like a little bit more <laughs> um kind of mindset but i do have like i do know that one of the ones i want to do is um you know, set up a consistent routine for lifting weights, like exercise. So there you go. You know, I, I try and stay, you know, fit and active and whatever, but I want to set like a formal regimen up. Yeah. And then something to do with time management, but I haven't quite ironed out what exactly I want to do with that yet. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I, I'm there with you as far as, you know, more active type stuff more specifically i was thinking back to this last year and how much or how little maybe i didn't play basketball in general and of course we both love basketball it's a big reason we're doing the podcast of course but um you know we don't love we don't just love watching it we love playing it especially so i'm hoping to get more in the Mm. gym get some get more shots up you know whether it's just practicing on my own playing some pickup you know i think that'd be Great to do that. I'd like to get, you know, I have some financial goals as well, but um, yeah, plenty of stuff for us to focus on. Yeah. But no, I think we're both very excited for the new year, for the the possibilities. We'll make a quick note. Actually, I was talking to Wyatt about this before we, we hopped on some updates with the podcast. Of course, we've plugged, you know, social media pages and the different places that you can listen to the podcast. Um, Just today, I was working on kind of trying to expand our footprint a little bit, um, starting with a new, uh, website quote unquote it's a google site so it's a very you know straightforward it was the simplest kind of thing that i could find um and the website all it has is it'll have the uh you know embedded latest episode of the podcast has a quick bio about what we're aiming to do and there's some contact info it also links to the social media pages you know instagram facebook twitter um so so that's one step um but then we've also expanded our um our footprint in terms of where the podcast can be listened. Of course, we've mentioned Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and RSS.com. Through that, though, we're also expanding into Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, uh, Podcast Index, Listen Notes, and then uh, we just barely did uh, one. We got it set up for Pandora and uh, the SiriusXM app. So we, we're trying to expand it as much as possible. And finally, why I forgot to mention this one to you, uh, we are trying a setup where through rss.com it'll automatically post the audio of our episodes 
it'll make those into videos and publish them on our YouTube channel, which we've now set up. So, oh, nice. So that'll be another thing that awesome. we're we're hoping to just expand as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, we're we're both excited about that. So I probably won't be listing off every single place we're available to listen in the future because that's going to start to become <laughs> a long list. But we'll just say. Check out social media. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole new segment. But we'll just, you know, check out our socials on there. It has a link tree to rss.com. You can find us on a bunch of places. So that's where we'll leave it. But we're excited about that. But let's, you know, let's leave that where it is. Um, Exciting stuff already at the beginning of the new year. But let's get into the actual meat and potatoes of the show. Let's start with our, um, you know, our normal stuff, our five on five drill and six men, which of course is our game summary type stuff, along with our key news from this past uh, few days of NBA action. All right. And a quick note, we're going to start with one key news item first before we jump into the game summaries proper, because it's a big deal. We finally had a a big trade. Of course, we had a trade early in the season with James Harden going to the Clippers. We've had some quiet moves, maybe a small trade here and there, um, some signings, some two-way moves. But we had a big trade between the Toronto Raptors and the New York Knicks of all teams, not only division rivals, but two teams that have been locked in legal disputes over that whole uh, you know, former employee and and sensitive classified information. And the Raptors are like, it wasn't that secret of information. It's still trying to wrap my head around that whole thing. But despite that, these two teams did make a trade and it was a big trade. The Toronto Raptors send uh, one of their great forwards, a defensive forward, OG Ananobi, who's been a, a name brought up in trade conversations a lot over the past year or two, along with Precious Achua, the backup big, and Malachi Flynn, um, a reserve point guard to the New York Knicks. In exchange, the Knicks are sending R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick to the Toronto Raptors. So, of course, Barrett, a uh, high draft pick of the Knicks, and a uh, Canadian going back to Canada and the Raptors. Uh, and then Emmanuel Quickly, a six-man type player for the Knicks, uh, going to provide a spark at the point guard, maybe have an opportunity to start for the Raptors. So, uh, fairly balanced on both sides. Both teams also created trade exceptions um, in that move. Toronto's is $4.3 million of a trade exception and the Knicks $5.2 million. So um, Wyatt and I weren't fully sure on the specifics of how the trade exceptions work. I believe it's, you know, they have that money to then sign uh, a free agent or it kind of creates a cap space type scenario. But um, yeah, just wanted to break that first before we talk about the games, because one of the games we'll talk about involves the Raptors. But that being said, let's actually jump into our first game from Friday night. And uh, I'll talk about this one. It's the Denver Nuggets hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder, a matchup of two of the top teams in the Western Conference. And the Thunder come out on top with a big win, 119 to 93, your final score. Uh, nearly a 30-point margin of victory, and this snapped a, I believe, a five- or six-game winning streak by the Denver Nuggets at that point. Um, So a very impressive win for the Thunder, who continue to kind of exceed expectations, and they've now solidified their spot amongst the top teams, not only in the West, but in the NBA in general this season. And it was a close game throughout much of the first half. Uh, Thunder built a big lead during the third quarter and never really looked back, winning by uh, 26 in the final uh, you know, while well, that was actually their largest margin of victory, I think they 
Oh yeah, that was that was how much they won by. So built, you know, culminated until the very end was their largest uh largest margin of victory as well. So that's very exciting. Um for the Nuggets, they were they struggled a bit offensively. Uh about 42% from the floor, which isn't awful, but they were 27% from three. Um, no one scored more than 19. Uh, that one player with 19 was one Nikola Jokic uh, with 10 rebounds, seven assists as well, seven turnovers. So the one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio for Jokic, uh, kind of an odd mark for him. He was very efficient, though, 90% from the floor, uh, made his one three-point attempt. So he was very solid. Um, outside of his scoring, they got 14 points from Peyton Watson, the second-year player starting in place of Aaron Gordon, um, who also had two blocks and a steal. Michael Porter Jr. had 12 points, and then off the bench, the rookie Julian Strother had 10 points. Um, Murray and Caldwell Pope held below 10 points, but Jamal Murray did have 11 assists. Just a tough game, tough game for the Nuggets. Meanwhile, for the Thunder, they were led by SGA, Shigeldus Alexander, 40 points for him in this game, uh, 70% from the floor and two of three from the three-point line, made all 10 of his free throw attempts. He continues to say, you know, Oh, you have your Eastern Conference front court guys. You have your Embiid's, your Giannis's, your, you know, Tatum's in your MVP mix. And maybe you have Luca too, but don't forget my name as an MVP candidate, not for the stats only, but also for a winning team in the Thunder. He continues to impress this season. Uh, the rookie Chet Holmgren, 24 points, six rebounds, and two blocks, four of four from three point range. He is also saying the same thing. I, hey, I know Wemby's exciting, but. I've been very good. I think I should be rookie of the year. Um, Jalen Williams, that's Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, 11 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, two steals, a block, kind of filling up the whole stat sheet. And then Josh Giddy with 12 points, eight rebounds. So outside of SGA, not a ton of offense. Well, SGA and Chet Holmgren, not a ton of offense for the Thunder, but still those two guys outplayed the best players for the Nuggets. And, uh, you know, that was key for them in getting the victory. A great job for the Thunder. Great win. Again, SGA, phenomenal this season as he was last season, but he's even better this year and a great win for them. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and send it over to Wyatt for our next game and a very exciting, long-awaited game, I would say. Yes, this, this game is iconic in the sense that <laughs> the Pistons, the mighty Pistons, finally won a game after losing 28 games straight and tied losing record uh, in NBA history with the 76ers, which was spread across two seasons. Uh, they they got a dub against the Toronto Raptors, beating them 129 to 127. So a narrow dub, but a dub. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Pistons basically led most of the game. The Raptors led for most of the first quarter, but the other three were pretty well dominated by the Pistons, but it was never it was never a large lead. They led by 11 at the most. Uh, there were 12 lead changes in this game, so back and forth for sure. And if we go down to where the where the Pistons really edged out the Raptors, in my mind it was second chance buckets. The Pistons had 14 second chance points compared to Toronto's five, 41 boards compared to Toronto's 33. So in in other aspects of the game, they were pretty close. I mean, the Raptors shot a little bit better from the the three-point line. Um, They had a few more steals than the Pistons. But really, 
not a significant difference other than you know a lot of a lot of rebound and second chance point uh uh differential between the two a large one uh so if we jump over to some stats some pretty pretty uh iconic stats as well Cade Cunningham joins the elite company of uh Tyrese Halliburton and Nikola Jokic with uh the only players this season to have 30 points and 12 assists with zero turnovers so uh just one more time Cade Cunningham 30 points 12 assists and zero turnovers he also added three rebounds um and a steal to that stat line so great job for him. He shot nine of twenty from the field, two for four from the three-point line. Amazing game. As somehow the plus-minus score is only one, um, which that is such a weird statistic that sometimes <laughs> seems to not make any sense. Uh, so we won't get into that. He was helped with Alec Burks with sixteen points and an assist. Bo- Bojan Bogdanovic, Bojan Bogdanovic with nineteen points. Three assists, seven rebounds. Kevin Knox a second, 17 points, two assists, two rebounds. Jalen Duran, 18 points, two assists, 17 rebounds. Uh, and then added 12 points and four assists, along with five rebounds to those uh those other statistics. So great play overall by uh these guys. They had, you know, six guys in double digits and a couple others close. Uh they shot pretty well from the field. Everyone around fifty uh, percent, except for Ivy, who was one for five. And um, Kevin Knox was three for eight from the three-point line, so he shot a lot, but you know made it about forty percent. So good job there. Jumping to the Raptors, uh, they were led by a strong performance from Pascal Siakam, thirty-five points uh, by Siakam four assists, five rebounds, and only two turnovers. He shot 14 of 24 from the field and two for two from the three-point line. So very strong performance by him. He was helped by Gary Trent Jr., who had 24 points, four steals, four assists. Dennis Schroeder, who had 30 points, nine assists. And uh, Scotty Barnes, who had 22 points, two steals, two assists and nine rebounds and also added a, a block. Uh, only had four points, but had three blocks, five assists and 14 rebounds. So contributed in a little bit different way tonight than uh, offensive necessarily. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, that was yeah, Jacoperto with the four points, 14 rebounds, um, just to make sure uh, knows that Wyatt's mic is cutting out just a touch. Um, and, you know, maybe. Sorry. No, you're you're <laughs> good. I, I think we've talked about it before that Wyatt's internet is very good, but it's it has some moments where it's, you know. It's, it's iffy because it's from the neighbor's house. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, it, t- two doors over, so. Oh, gotcha. Okay, it's Google so. Fiber, but it's but it's stretching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fibers are stretched a little bit too far. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, they overcame uh, the Pistons overcame some great individual numbers from some of these Raptors guys. Um, so definitely credit to them. And yeah, I love I loved what you mentioned about the 
the second chance battle because you know you think about the Pistons being able to win some games this season um, with Bogdanovich back, it's not as much of a, uh, a disparity, but Duran and Stewart's ability to, to create second chance opportunities for them is really what's going to help them get easier offense and be able to just take more shots and make up for that. Cause outside of Kate Cunningham and a little bit of Jaden Ivey and, and Bogdanovich, there's not a ton of offensive firepower. So I think that's huge for them to be able to get wins with that kind of, you know, rebounding ability. And um, in the last minute, I mean, you look at the Pistons holding about a, you know, eight, seven or eight point lead in the final minute. And then they almost, they almost lose it with the Raptors rallying, yeah. but they, uh, they held on, they got the monkey off their backs. Uh, the citizens of, of Detroit and, and Michigan in general, surely, uh, are relieved and uh, ecstatic that they got some free wings from Wingstop. So congratulations to them <laughs> for, for doing that. But um, no, yeah, great win for the Pistons. I'm glad for their sake. I think we're both glad that the Pistons finally got that win. And uh, hopefully it turns into, you know, some more consistent winning. And, you know, I mentioned this in a caption with our recent um, Fantasy Fridays social media posts. We talked about Cade Cunningham and his stats um, in the fantasy realm compared to, of course, obviously the Pistons haven't been winning very much, but, you know, Cade Cunningham has played, you know, very well, especially, you know, compared to his rookie year, he's been taking a step up. He looks very mature. I like his game. I don't know if he would quite be in an all-star conversation. That might be a bit much, but he's getting closer to that, that category. So I think that's great to see, but otherwise I'll leave it at that great win for Detroit. And uh, let's go ahead and move on to that third game, a big game for one Tyrese Halliburton winning at home against the New York Knicks, 140 to 126. So first of all, great win against a, uh, a rival at times, the Knicks, you know, we've talked about that historic rivalry, especially in the nineties, but more importantly, <clears throat> the stats that Halliburton has put up this season, of course, have been historic and he did it again. Uh, with 23 assists in this game, first of all, ties a Pacers franchise record, which was set by Jamal Tinsley in the early 2000s. So that alone is very impressive, but even more impressive. That was his second consecutive game of at least 20 points and 20 assists. He joins John Stockton and Magic Johnson as now the only three players to have consecutive games of 20 points and 20 assists. If you're talking wow. point guard pantheon, high assists, you know, pure point guard play and distributing the ball, John Stockton and Magic, John Stockton, Magic Johnson, it's hard to do. You can't do better than those two names as far as the pure passing yeah. <laughs> point guard. I mean, that's it, you know, so that's phenomenal. And of those two game totals, he actually had the most assists and least turnovers of those three in over the last game in this game that we're talking about. He had 43 assists, two turnovers compared to Stockton who had 41 assists, six turnovers and magic who had 40 assists and eight turnovers. I mean, unreal numbers. And I wish the Pacers were winning a touch more. They're still a competitive winning team, but this is incredible numbers. He's surely, on pace to be an all NBA player. And he could be, you know, a dark horse name, top five, top 10 in the MVP race. I mean, he's just been that phenomenal with the assist numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and it, we'll be mentioning him, of course, with our weekly MVP conversation, but let's talk more of the game in general, you know, a great win. Um, 
it was the second half that the Pacers really pulled away, third quarter especially, and they were able to win that game. And yeah, Halliburton uh, is where it starts and ends. 22 points, 23 assists, two steals and a block as well. Surprisingly shot kind of poorly from three-point range, two of 10 from three, where on the season he's normally closer to a 40% three-point shooter. So had an off night there, but he got some supporting scoring from Miles Turner, 28 points, eight rebounds, and Turner was six of eight from three along with Aaron Neesmith starting. How about 25 points for Neesmith and 7 of 11 from three-point range? So Neesmith and Turner combining to go 13 of 19 from three. That'll make up for your star shooter uh, having an off night. They also got 20 points off the bench from Benedict Matherin, who was 3 of 5 from 3, and then 14 points from, from Andrew Nemhard starting alongside Tyrese Halliburton. So phenomenal scoring from them. For the Knicks, they were led by Dante DiVincenzo, actually, 38 points, six boards, four steals, and a block for DiVincenzo, who was 7 of 11 from three-point range, uh, shooting lights out as well. They got 28 each from both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Randle with 12 rebounds, and then uh, 10 points from both Josh Hart and Evan Fournier. Uh, Hart with 10 rebounds as well, so... Knicks didn't have a bad game. They had some great performances from a lot of those guys, but the Pacers shooting lights out even more so than the Knicks. The Pacers shot 53% from three-point range in that game, 58% overall from the floor. So just lights out shooting and the playmaking of Halliburton, phenomenal in that game for them to be able to get that win. And again, the, the company he's putting himself in in the record books continues to impress. I've loved seeing what Halliburton's done this season. It's very exciting and a great win for the Pacers. Wyatt, I'm not sure if you had any follow-up thoughts. I'll let you have a chance to say those. Otherwise, uh, you can kind of take us into that next game. Yeah, I just think <clears throat> Halliburton is awesome, man. Mm. <laughs> he's a lot of, you know, he's in a conversation with Hall of Famers, and, yeah, you know, it's so early in his career to, you know, already be like, I don't know. It, it Obviously, it's too early to say this, but also, like, with the statistics, it's like future Hall of Famer question mark, you know, mm-hmm. and I think <clears throat> just very impressive guy for sure. He's putting out so. a good, good pace for sure. <laughs> yeah. Clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the uh, the next game from Saturday, which is uh, the Lakers and the Timberwolves. So. This was a very close game, controversial call uh, near the end, being called against uh, the birthday boy, LeBron James. And I believe he turned 39 on Saturday. Is that correct, Karsten? I believe so, yes. I think that is so, correct. <clears throat> so, young buck. Um, but, yeah, 39 years old. Uh, he ends up shooting a three that is – called on the floor two and the you know it was up for debate it looked like he was behind it and then starts to go up with the shot and his toe may have touched the line and so obviously they aren't gonna overturn the the call on the floor unless it's a very definitive uh error so the the call stands and it's ruled a two um but you know they still they still had one chance after that to shoot a three and to win or, you know, tie it with a two. Uh, so it really didn't matter that much, but it was, it was a talking point at the end of the uh, Minnesota Los Angeles game. 
So T-Wolves win 108 to 106. And it was a, a pretty close game. Uh, 14 lead, cha lead changes. Primarily the first half of the game, the Lakers led. And the second half of the game, the T-Wolves led. But it was a... I mean, it was a hard-fought battle. In the fourth quarter, they were tied for a decent stretch of quarter. And then finally, the the Wolves kind of ran off with the lead. Um, they had very even games in, uh, in a lot of statistics, but Lakers had a few more steals. They limited their turnovers a little bit better, but the Timberwolves, of course, with their twin towers down low, had uh, twice as many blocks as the Lakers, which is, you know, no uh, small feat considering Anthony Davis is a top-tier defender uh, and gets his fair share of blocks as well. But they had eight compared to the Lakers' four. Uh, and they also shot a little bit better from the field and from the three-point line. The Lakers really stayed in the game with their fast-break buckets, scoring 18 fast-break points compared to Minnesota's six. Um. Otherwise, they're uh, pretty even as far as second chance points and all that goes. So let's jump over to the box score and see who did what for these two teams. Is my internet doing okay? Uh, so far, yeah, seems like it. Okay. It just seemed to lag a little bit on the loading here. Uh, so <clears throat> looking at the Lakers, Anthony Davis led with 33 points. Uh, he had two of their four blocks. Four steals, eight assists, and 17 rebounds. Jeez. Uh, strong performance for him. Yeah, really strong performance. Uh, one for two from the three, 12 for 17, a whopping 70.5% uh, from the field. So great uh, shot selection and, you know, obviously finishing ability by Anthony Davis. LeBron uh, accounted for another one of the blocks. He also added 26 points. Uh, three steals, six assists, and three rebounds to their totals. He shot one for four from the three-point line and 10 for 21 from the field, about 47%. The 70% from Anthony Davis, it sounds a little sounds a little bit rougher. And outside of those two, really uh, a lot of struggles on the offensive end. Uh Christian Wood accounted for the last block. He only had seven points. Uh, and then, you know, Hachimura, Russell, five points. Tareen Prince, nine. Vanderbilt, eight. Not not great, uh, not great contributions to the end outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which we've seen this this season that the successful teams are always the ones that have you know digits so gotta have some other people step up here on the Lakers and uh, shoulder a bit of that offensive load and if we jump down to the Timberwolves they actually you know they they have, they shared the load better but not like some of the other teams we've talked about so far tonight Anthony Edwards led with 31 he also had three blocks three assists and three boards. Uh, and then Nas Reed had 21 points, two blocks, two steals, five boards, and an assist. Uh, he was another stellar um, 
stellar uh, shooter from the field, shooting eight for 11, so 73. So great job for him. Uh, and then another high percentage shooter was Rudy Gobert, eight, uh, six for seven, 86%. Some impressive numbers from the field tonight with these two teams. Uh, Rudy Gobert also had 13 points, two steals, a block, and uh, 13 rebounds. Mike Conley, 15 points, seven assists, four rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns struggled a little bit offensively, uh, only had nine points, but also contributed nine rebounds and two assists. He was he only attempted seven shots, three for seven. So, <laughs> I guess a different strategy as far as who's shooting the ball tonight, but it obviously worked out in their favor. So great performance by the Bulls, um, and I I'm really impressed with their play. I'd like to see a little bit better uh, sharing of the ball as far as who's scoring all the po- all the points. You know, I think Carl Anthony Towns would expect to a little bit better than that. I like as Jazz fans, we're always wishing Gobert would score more. <laughs> we wished that for years, but you know, one day he'll get there. And, you know, really impressive performance by Nas Reed. I feel like he really just, if you look at the box score, he's got stats in every category uh, and, you know, stellar stellar percentages as well. So, stat, uh, great job, T-Wolves. For sure, yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I think that other names have been in the conversation when it comes to um, – you know, six man type players. We mentioned quickly, of course, but um, I think that Nas Reed, especially with how the Timberwolves have been winning, should certainly be a a big name in that six man mix. You know, I mean, he's what he brings off the bench. It's not, you know, just the offense. I mean, some nights it's not even a big offensive load, but, you know, he does so many different things in terms of rebounding, defensively, three point shooting. You can even make a few plays in terms of making some passes for you. So I love what Reed means to the Timberwolves, especially being able to back up guys like Gobert and Towns to have a third guy in that mix like him. He's just been phenomenal. So I, yeah, I love that that mix for them. And that's a big win for for them against the Lakers again, despite some potential controversy. Um, But uh you know, maybe one thought I had was of course there was controversy in the in-season tournament where the Lakers got a kind of phantom timeout um, versus the Suns when there was a lost possession by Austin Reeves. Um, So maybe if you want to, you know, quip a little bit there, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's some, you know, they're tasting their own medicine. If But I mean, yeah, it's coming back to, yeah, it comes back around karma, whatever it is. But I mean, it's, these happen all the time with games. And so it, it is what it is. Tough loss. They still had a chance to win at the end. Couldn't quite make the shot. But, uh, you know, great performances from AD and LeBron, just not enough to overcome a great team that has been this, you know, been done a great job so far this year in the Timberwolves and uh, a great win for them, for sure. Absolutely. Um, let's go to that last game. We're going to jump. Uh, we're going to skip Sunday, actually, and jump to Monday last night. And we're going to talk about the Utah Jazz. That's right. We're playing homers a little bit here because the Jazz had a big win, first of all. They win at home against the Dallas Mavericks, 127-90. to 
a uh, 37-point victory, kind of avenging the 50-point loss they had to the Mavericks last month. And uh, Jordan Clarkson breaks a streak for the Jazz in his own right. The Jazz hadn't had a triple-double from a player since Carlos Boozer logged a triple-double in February of 2008. And that streak what? has finally been snapped. I know. You would have thought that somebody along the line would have had a triple-double. Donovan double. never did. and Nope. <laughs> Gobert nope. never did. I mean, Gobert never did. Hey, the ball. I mean, yeah, Hayward maybe could have been in there. Uh, he's a little more versatile yeah, player, um, but nope, had not happened since then. Um, and it finally That's happened. Actually, crazy. <laughs> it is pretty wild. Jordan Clarkson, and uh, it was fourth quarter especially. I mean, the Jazz had built a fairly steady lead, and they led anywhere from ten to fifteen points, kind of a lot of the second and third quarter, and then they, you know, the floodgates opened mid to late fourth quarter and that really closed it out for him. But yeah, Jordan Clarkson with 20 points, 11 assists and 10 rebounds. Uh, I saw a clip where he secures a rebound and the like half the arena is like, Hey, it finally happened. You know, it's kind of exciting for them to, to see that um, not an incredible night offensively. I mean, 20 points was solid. He was coming off the bench actually in this game. He was eight of eight of 16 from the floor, one of six from three. So you know, not that stellar of a night offensively, but still got that triple double. I guess that's, you know, for somebody that's a monkey off their back. I mean, it's just, it's cool. It's not necessarily conducive. Yeah. It doesn't have to be conducive of winning, but anyways, cool stuff there, but a great win for them against the Mavericks. They were led actually in the scoring category by, uh, you guessed it, Simone Fontecchio, 24 points, six <laughs> rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block. <laughs> You probably didn't guess it, but Fontecchio's had <laughs> some great opportunities for them, um, starting a few more games, playing some more minutes, and he's really showing the three-point ability. That was a big reason the Jazz decided to bring him over from international ball. Shot three of eight from three, 62% from the floor. I like what he's brought. Uh, they also got 17 from Larry Markinen, uh, 15 from John Collins starting at center in this game. Uh, and then 14 from Keontae George off the bench. Also 11 points, 10 rebounds for Walker Kessler coming off the bench. Kessler also with four blocks. They're running some interesting lineups with the Jazz are, and I wasn't sure if it was, you know, yeah, minute, really. minutes restriction for Kessler or what the situation is. But, um, you know, where when you're kind of where they're at, where they're not necessarily a, a contending team or a playoff mixed team, you know, you, you have the liberty to experiment with lineups. But... They've been better lately. I'll get to that in just a moment, but let's talk about the Mavericks first. Luka Doncic, 19 points, 14 assists, and six rebounds. He shot 30% from the floor. Definitely a rough night for him. Uh, the Mavericks did get the return of Kyrie Irving, uh, who played 32 minutes in this game, had 14 points, nine rebounds, uh, shot 42% from the floor. So both those guys, not incredible nights. They got 17 off the bench from Jaden Hardy and then 10 points from Derek Lively the second, the rookie outside of those four guys, no double figure scores. So uh, the jazz just had some better output from some names, both starting and off the bench. Um, Clarkson and Fontecchio in particular, some great offensive nights um, or the best for the jazz in that category. And they're able to get the win. So great win for them. And why I just wanted to point out for our purposes uh, over their last 11 games, the Jazz are eight and three, which isn't, you know, taking the world by storm, but compared to where they <laughs> have, they have been, you know, much of the month of December and late November, they've been much improved. They've got marketing back and I maybe could have even done a, maybe should have, um, 
I might even amend one of my DEFCON level segments um, with that in Ooh. mind. So, well, you didn't have a, you're not planning on talking about the jazz, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. So I'm going to make a note of that. Um, we're talking about the jazz in that one. I'm going to rewrite my DEFCON level topic mid-show. Um, that's that's going to be exciting. Wild. But yeah, wild, <laughs> wild stuff. But otherwise, yeah, great win for the jazz. Um, and of course, we are very excited about that as uh, as Utah residents and fans of the jazz. But um, with that, let's go ahead and jump to our sixth men, uh, the statistics and notes from the other games we didn't have a chance to go more in depth on. Uh, starting with Friday, uh, the Wizards beat the Nets at home, 110 to 104. Uh, the Magic beat the Knicks at home, 117 to 108. The Bucks beat the Cavaliers in Cleveland, 119 to 111. Um, this was a note from Friday. I didn't have a chance to double check if it was an even better winning percentage at home. Um, but the Celtics win at home on Friday against the Raptors, 120 to 118. That made them 16 and 0 at home, which is very impressive. Uh, they got 30 points, uh, 31 points, 10 rebounds from Jalen Brown uh, compared to Scotty Barnes, who had 30 points, 10 rebounds for the Raptors. So that extra point for Jalen Brown made the difference, it seems. But um, yeah. it is and, still accurate, by the way. 16 it is 16 and 0 at home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wasn't sure about that. Um, yeah, the next game, uh, Sacramento Kings won in Atlanta against the Hawks, 117 to 110. De'Aaron Fox set a career high. Uh, eight three-pointers in that game, 31 points total. The Philadelphia 76ers won in Houston against the Rockets, 131 to 127. Tyrese Maxey, 42 points in that game. Uh, The Phoenix Suns won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 133 to 119. I believe that's the first win for the Suns' big three on the floor at the same time, so that's great for them to get that. The Portland Trailblazers won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 134-128. to And finally, the LA Clippers won at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 117-106. to uh, Zubats with 20 rebounds in that game. So that's your Friday action. Jumping to Saturday, we had the Utah Jazz winning there as well, 117-109 to at home against the Miami Heat. Um, the Chicago Bulls won at home against the Philadelphia 76ers, 105-92. to Andre Drummond starting, had 23 rebounds. Bit of a Drummond renaissance lately. And then the Dallas Mavericks won in Golden State against the Warriors, 132-122. to um, Your final there, Luke had 39 points, 10 assists in that game. I wanted to make a quick note. We haven't heard for sure on the uh, players of the month for either the East or the West. Um, don't be surprised if the player of the month for the West is Luca. He had some out of this world numbers and that continued, uh, this past week. He'll be in the mix for our weekly MVP. Certainly not to give too much away, but let's jump to Sunday. The Atlanta Hawks won in Washington against the Wizards, 130 to 126. Trey Young with 40 points, 13 assists. And here's an interesting note from that game. Kind of a little bit of those, like, you know, who thinks of these stats and why would you track this? But the Hawks had four <laughs> players with double doubles in that game. Young with 40 and 13, Clint Capella with 11 points, 17 rebounds, Jalen Johnson, 24 points, 13 rebounds, and then Sadiq Bay, 11 points, 11 rebounds. So big rebounding numbers. Then Trey Young with the double digit assists. Um, there's only been six cases in the past five seasons of a team having four players with double doubles. And half of those were by Atlanta in the calendar year of 2023. 
Why? I couldn't tell you. Um, is it a coincidence? Probably. So um, <laughs> it is what it is. But interesting stat. Just thought I should report that. The only common link between those uh, three instances that Atlanta had four players with double doubles, Trey Young was the only player that was in all three of those groups. So the common link there. Um, yeah, Trey Young, a great player, of course. But let's jump to that. The remaining games there, uh, the Boston Celtics won in San Antonio against the Spurs, 134 to 101. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the Brooklyn Nets, 124 to 108. The New Orleans Pelicans won at home against the Los Angeles Lakers, 129 to 109. Uh, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Orlando Magic, 112 to 107. And finally, the Sacramento Kings thanks to a Demonis Sabonis triple-double, his fourth in the past two weeks. They won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 123-92. to Big win for them. Sabonis, 21 rebounds, part of that triple-double there. Finally, your Monday games. A um, couple of the debuts for the uh, parts of those trades we talked about, or that big trade we, we started the show with. Uh, the New York Knicks won at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 112-106. to Julius Randle led the way for the Knicks, 39 points, 9 rebounds, but they got 17 points from OG Ananobi in his Knicks debut in that win. And then the Toronto Raptors won at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers, 124-121. to uh, Siakam with 36, but again, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly combined for 33 points in the win uh, in their Raptors debuts. Uh, the Indiana Pacers won in Milwaukee against the Bucks, 122 to 113. They're now three and one in the uh, season series with the Bucks. And uh, they win the rematch of the, the game where Giannis had 60 and then the ball was stolen, that whole thing. But Giannis did have a triple double. Uh, the Houston Rockets won at home against the, the uh, Detroit Pistons, 136 to 113. So the Pistons have now lost one straight. Um, sorry, Pistons. Um, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 109-88. to The Denver Nuggets won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 111-93. to And then finally, the LA Clippers won at home against the Miami Heat, 121-104. to Kawhi Leonard back in action. And that is your remaining game summaries. We didn't have a chance to go much more in-depth on. Now, for the last part of our you know main opening segment here, We'll go through the key news again. We broke that the big trade, the Ananobi, Achiwa, and, and Malachi, Malachi Flynn to the Raptors in exchange for Barrett, or to the Knicks rather, in exchange for Barrett quickly in the second round pick, all that stuff. The Knicks were not done though after that trans that transaction. They had a couple more moves. Firstly, they re-signed guard Miles McBride to a three-year, $13 million contract extension. So congratulations to him. And then a related move to the trade, they waived guard forward Daquan Jeffries to make sure they were they had the roster space to make the move. Uh, they also, just today, I believe, waived center Dimitro Skopinsev, who they had just signed in the last few days to a two-way deal. Um, so he's now been waived. I'm curious what player they'll bring in to replace that two-way deal. Um, the San Antonio Spurs have signed forward Mamadi Diakite to a two-way contract. Uh, that was the player that replaced uh, Charles Bediaco. And then the Spurs have applied for a disabled player exception worth about $1.3 million uh, for Charles Bassey's season-ending torn left ACL. So we'll have to see if they uh, get approved for that. I imagine they will. Um, 
Note on the Clippers, he didn't play in that game, but Mason Plumley, center Mason Plumley, was available to play Monday versus the Miami Heat. He has been out since November 6th with a left knee injury, so he's nearing a return from that, and that's great to see him uh, almost returning from that injury. Um, hopefully he'll be able to make his debut uh, from the injury in the next uh, couple of days or so. That'll be great for the Clippers' uh, depth and such. And then a couple of uh, just NBA in general notes. Firstly, 15-year veteran and former Heat All-Star uh, guard Goran Dragic officially announced his retirement on Sunday. A great career. Um, he was, a, a you know, more recently you saw him as a, a veteran point guard for a few different teams like the Bucs, um, but he is now retired. He had a great career, uh, one of the greats in uh, Slovenia's history. So um, congratulations to him. Hopefully he enjoys retirement. And then finally, uh, as far as players of the week go, those have been announced. Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander have been named the NBA's players of the week in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. So big congratulations to those guys. Well-deserved. They'll certainly be in the conversation uh, again for our weekly MVP once we get to that. But that should be it for our news and game summaries and such. Why? Any thoughts on any of those? I, I know I kind of just steamrolled through that but any thoughts on any of those points before we jump into our next segment uh not necessarily i think it's i think it's exciting that teams are starting to make moves and uh, i'm excited to see what other uh trades happen especially considering my uh weekly prediction of the warriors <laughs> you know i'm hoping that that comes true and the warriors make mm-hmm. a, a big move before the trade deadline absolutely yeah i think we both have made one or two uh, trade related predictions and uh, one note I forgot to mention it's I think less than six weeks until the trade deadline comes so both the trade deadline and the all-star game are kind of going to be our next landmarks for this NBA season especially as we just kind of plug away through January so definitely keep an eye and an ear out for that we'll maybe talk you know trade rumors trade ideas uh, in detail a little bit more on one episode of the podcast in the future but for now think that takes care of that segment. Let's jump into uh, our latest power rankings. Power rankings. Okay. When it comes to the power rankings and uh, why I can't remember if I had a chance to talk through this with you, the last couple of times I've done power rankings solo, the way I've kind of been doing it is uh, I've started 10 through one. So starting with my 10th team, talk about them for a second, jump to my ninth and then go up that way. So talking top 10 okay. specifically, and then, you know, any notes from outside of that, to me, that's kind of the way that's been a little bit more effective, but you're certainly welcome to talk about yours um, any way that you think is most relevant, but I'll go ahead and get us started off with our power rankings. And uh, at number 10 for me, uh, no change whatsoever. The Miami Heat stay there. They were two and one last week. Um, kind of just what they've been. You know, there's not too much different in their category. Of course, Jaime Jaquez, the rookie, has been more and more impressive. Um, they lost to uh, the Clippers last night, so that's not a great start for them this week. But uh, you know, not really a reason to, for them to to fall at all. You know, they're not the most exciting team this season. But we said the same things to them last season in the regular season, it feels like, and then suddenly they were in the finals. So it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen with Miami. For now, we're leaving them at number 10, or at least I am. Um, at nine, following one spot, the Orlando Magic, who were two and two. Uh, the Magic for, you know, 
it seems like the, their magic as a team has been running out a little bit. They had kind of a, a Cinderella run, and especially in early part of December, they had vaulted up into the top five. They're clinging to a top 10 spot. They haven't been losing a bunch, but they haven't been winning a bunch. They've just been kind of hanging out, um, winning a little, a few more games than they've been losing. And, you know, they're falling a bit. I'd like to see them start to string some more wins together to kind of hold on to that spot. Um, at eight, moving up one spot, the uh, LA Clippers, who were 2-0. and um, And again, this week, they've already got another win against Miami. You know, with especially with Mason Plumlee coming back and now Kawhi Leonard, the way he's played for much of this season, they look very strong. And we'll maybe uh, be talking about them with our DEFCON levels as well. At seven, no movement, Sacramento Kings, uh, two and one last week. They've been good. Uh, again, Sabonis with the triple doubles um, and uh, De'Aaron Fox, especially with the high scoring. I'd like to see um, them string a few more wins together. They're certainly top 10 caliber, but I feel like they could be so much more than that. Um, at number six, Philadelphia 76ers, who were two and two, they fell one spot. Um, as did the team above them at five, the Denver Nuggets, who were two and one, they fell one spot. Uh, both those teams with MVP caliber centers. Um, Nuggets have concerns about the depth. Sixers, maybe some of the same. We'll have to see what happens with them. Moving up two spots, up into number four, up into the top 10. Uh, or top five, rather, once again, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were 4-0 and last week. Um, they've just been stellar. Again, SGA, an MVP-type candidate. Um, there's not much more to complain about. The, the talent and depth on that team is pretty absurd. And then finally, my top three stayed the same. Milwaukee at three, Minnesota at two, and then Boston at one. Boston was 4-0. and um, Definitely no reason to change them there. Minnesota and Milwaukee, both with uh, a loss each, but they've still been top teams in their conferences um, and there's really not any reason to change from that. Other teams worth noting that moved, uh, the Pacers and Suns both moved four spots each up, while the Knicks and Lakers, or actually Knicks and Rockets, both fell three spots. Warriors fell two spots also. Uh, the Jazz moved up one in the 22 for me. My bottom seven stayed the same. Even though the Pistons got the win, they're still ranked uh, in the last spot, unfortunately, but... Again, maybe if they can string what? some wins together, I know, crazy stuff. But maybe if they can string some more wins together, they could, you know, play replace a team like San Antonio or Washington and not be the last team. But it's going to take a lot more than one win to move them out of that spot. But that's my power rankings at this point. Um, why I'll let you go ahead, however you want to do it, whether it's ten through one or just you know general big movers, however you want to do it, your power rankings. All right. Yeah, I'll go ten through one. So. Uh, in my 10th position, I have the Mavericks who, you know, Carson had heat at 10. I have them at 11. Um, I think the Mavericks are still a solid team. They've kind of, you know, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, Doncic has been playing out of his mind. He's, uh, at least in the month of December. And I expect that to continue. I think they're a strong team. And with the recent return of Kyrie Irving, I think they will, uh, maybe regain a little bit of the laps that they've had, uh, you know, given that they've lost six of their last 10 games. So I can't, I keep them in my top 10, but they've been uh, bumped down a few spots. Uh, the The Kings are my number nine team. Uh, they actually moved up to uh, for my last uh, power rankings, which was actually a couple weeks ago. Um, 
but they they kind of like Karsten mentioned. Um, they're they're a little bit opposite of the Magic, but they've been kind of that, you know, decent team, um, in in the West versus the Magic's kind of this way in the East. Have held on to kind of an amazing year from last year, um, but hasn't been quite as impressive so far this year. But they're you know they're playing well. Uh, Magic, they're kind of in the same boat, except opposite, where they started off really hot, and now they're trying to hold on to it after, um, you know, having a hot start. Sixers, I think I have them at seven. I think they're still a solid team. Obviously, I don't think they're and in recent years, um, after you know losing James Harden, um, but I think that. You know, with Joel Embiid, they still have a lot of potential. Clippers moved up nine spots from um, where I had them uh, during week seven. Wow, ahead uh, of the Sixers. Yeah, ahead of the Sixers. I think that the Clippers are, you know, I think they've got things figured out. I think they are uh, really like, is someone talking about Clippers for DEFCON levels? I I am that? talking about Clippers, yes. Okay, so yeah, I just I think they're a stellar, stellar team. You know, definitely someone to keep your eye on. Uh, they've won eight of their last ten games. Uh, they're on the move, so watch out. Uh, Thunder's five. Obviously, we talked about their great performance recently. Uh, and they went four and zero last week. So great job to them. Nuggets are fourth. Uh, coming off a championship, I think they're still good, but maybe not quite as uh, incredible as we saw them play last year. Bucks are three. Uh, Timber, they're just more of the same there. You know, obviously the addition of Lillard is going to be helpful, but still not playing as amazingly as I kind of expected them to, which is kind of the, you know, story for the last couple of years. <laughs> they just, since their championship, they've never been quite, you know, what I expect them to be. They haven't been Timber- fully dominant, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Timberwolves are uh, in the second spot. Uh, they've finally demanded my respect to move them up to... They, you know, obviously have been leading the West for quite some time now, but <laughs> I have been unwilling to give that to them, <laughs> and, and now they, now they have... Uh, commanded me to repent and they are in second <laughs> position and Celtics are number one four and oh last week uh leading the east very strong very strong team um I hate to say it but <laughs> in the playoffs um because it seems like they always do uh but I mean they're playing they're playing amazingly and I hope I eat my words and they finally you know work it out this year outside of the top 10 uh i'll just hit on a few big movers the pelicans have moved up six heat have moved up five they've both been playing solid in recent weeks uh the for the pelicans you know the western conference like four through 10 maybe even you could say 12 are pretty close uh which has been the story of recent years for the western conference so 
open for a lot of movement there. Uh, the Pelicans uh, had t- took advantage of that a little bit, and they are have moved up to sixth in the West. Pacers, Cavs, Suns all down a few spots. Lakers eight, which hurts me to say, uh, given the fact that I am a pretty big fan of LeBron. Um, but they're, I think they're, yeah, they're 17 and 17. So their win percentage is uh, exactly 50% right now, which is not great. Like I said, the West is still very close, so they could easily jump up to, you know, fifth or so in, you know, just this week, really. But right now they're uh, not sitting in, they're sitting in a play-in position, which is what they have done for several years in a row now. But you'd think with the the health um, that they've been fortunate to have this year compared to the injury-ridden years that they've had previously, they'd be a little bit higher than they are. Um, Knicks are down a few spots. Rockets are up a couple. Nothing crazy. Same. Uh, my bottom three haven't moved. Last three being Spurs, Wizards, Pistons. Again, shocking, I know, after the Pistons got that win. Um, and then, you know, going <clears> up <throat> from the Spurs, Hornets, Blazers, Grizzlies, which I expect to continue to move up. They did move up one spot. Um, and then uh, not really important in, in uh, them and the Lakers, which kind of mild movement mild changes yeah yeah fair enough what Wyatt didn't say with his Timberwolves finally moving up is it wasn't until they beat LeBron that <laughs> they were able to move up what? that was the reason he's <laughs> like all right you've convinced me um, no no I mean yeah Timberwolves have been great yeah Lakers struggling but overall no yeah I think um again Clippers moved up big in yours a little bit higher than maybe I thought, but I, I still have a take there for, for DEFCON levels on the Clippers that I think is going to be interesting. And that I think is a very natural transition for us to go ahead and jump into those aforementioned DEFCON levels. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. DEFCON levels. All right. If you're not familiar with this segment, it's been maybe a week or two since we've done this. Um, basically, I've picked three Wyatt's, uh, three Wyatt's. So I picked three topics. Wyatt has picked two. You're cheating um, on me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I've picked three topics. Wyatt has two topics. We're going to go back and forth, giving each other a topic to react to and give a DEFCON level on. Now, if you're not familiar with DEFCON levels, basically a high number means that there's not a risk as far as, you know, DEFCON levels are used with military as far as uh, a threat to worry about. Um, so if I give Wyatt a topic, say, you know, what's this player's chances to win MVP? Um, and he says DEFCON level five. It's like, don't worry about it. Not really an issue. And that goes from four, three, two, all the way down to one. If he says one, it's okay. Red alert. I think this is almost a guarantee or this is close to a guarantee. This is certainly has a great chance of happening. So that's a quick explanation why I'm going to go ahead and start us off. And our first topic actually is MVP related. Of course, the defending uh, reigning MVP rather uh, this season is Joel Embiid won it last year, uh, who also won the scoring title. And he's been on a tear. Of course, we talked about the 30 point, 10 rebound games, the streaks that he set 
putting his name up there, not only in Sixers history, but in NBA history with names like Charles Barkley, um, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's been phenomenal there. Uh, Sixers have hovered around the top five and certainly in the top 10. Why? What is your DEFCON level on Joel Embiid's chances to repeat as league MVP? Oh, boy. Um, You know, obviously... He's, I think, I think he's currently leading the race, uh, mm-hmm. at least up there. Uh, I wonder who else we got. You know, obviously, Jokic is going to be in the conversation again. I think uh, we talked about already Shea, uh, SGA. I don't know. There's the, there's the maybe consideration due to the, the, uh, folks in the NBA uh, avoid <clears throat> MVPs. I think there's, I mean, obviously there's, it's happened and it isn't completely out of, uh, you know, it, it happens often enough that it's not. Right. Yeah. Well, a, and that's a real that, factor. That's kind of what prompts me a little bit because of course, before Embiid, Jokic won it back-to-back years. And then before Jokic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo won it back-to-back years. So the precedent has been set. You right. know, would, would they follow that trend? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I didn't uh, didn't Embiid say something about the back-to-back? No, it wasn't Embiid. I think it was uh, Kendrick Perkins or some uh, announcer. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I... I'd give it like a I'd give it like a two, I think. Okay. Because he he is leading strong. Um uh, I mean he like he's playing really well. He's leading currently. He obviously won it last year. Uh I would say that, you know, his need to share the ball now that James Harden is gone it might be a little bit reduced like he might have more opportunities to continue to have you know had the stats essentially uh the Sixers are doing well this year they're third in the east uh I think that's a little bit better than they were doing last year no uh, I don't know it, it's well close again. maybe a little bit better yeah they're playing. They're playing well again. So, you know, obviously the Thunder are playing well, like also. So, you know, SGA and the Nuggets are playing well. So Jokic, you know, there's there's definitely competition. So you know, I would maybe say a three, but I'll, I'll give him the two because uh, I think he's putting up decently better, you know, a, a significantly better. Uh, numbers than SGA significant meaning like from the statistical standpoint of like it's not negligible not necessarily like huge amounts better yeah um, so and then uh, you know the Nuggets and Jokic uh, maybe not as on fire as they have been I, I'll give him the two okay and I would kind of say the same I'd actually lean closer you know to maybe even, well, I don't want to quite say one. I mean, he has the advantage of he's won it before. I feel like that can sometimes be like, well, he's, you know, he's been MVP caliber and he's 
statistically not dropping off. He's been more impressive in some ways, but um, right. certainly, yeah, great, you know, great competition in the mix. And, you know, when you talk about Giannis and Jokic, the conversation has been about how, you know, the unicorn word gets thrown out sometimes with some of those guys like, oh, Giannis's athleticism and what he does at his size and then Jokic, his passing ability with Embiid, you don't quite get that because it's like, well, he scores a lot of points. He grabs a lot of rebounds. He gets blocks. It's it's more, tradi- you know, traditional big man stuff. And we've seen right. some of that before. So he doesn't get that same conversation. So that's where I wouldn't, you know, he's not revered in that same kind of way, even though he's still very, very good. Um, so I would I would say two for sure, uh, as well as that. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you've got for me on your first cool. topic here. Yeah, so my my first DEFCON level revolves around the Grizzlies, you know, and the recent return of John Morant. So I want to hear your DEFCON level of the Grizzlies making the playoffs this year. Here we go. I As soon as you started, I'm like, I feel like that's where he's going to go with this. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny because, um, of course, until he had returned for much of the year, the Grizzlies hovered around the bottom five or six in the league because they just were not winning games really at all. And of course, they won, I want to say, four straight once he got back in the lineup. But they have also lost a, a good amount of games since he's gotten back in. I, they've maybe got about 500. Yeah, their last three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they lost their last three. Yeah. So it, it hasn't been since those first four wins, they've then lost three. So overall, so far, it's not been a huge difference. I mean, they're closer to 500 than they were. Um, I don't know. I mean, it it's early ish in the season still. I mean, we're not too far from the halfway point, about 10 games from the halfway point of the season, but those, that chunk of games is still going to matter. And that's going to be a big hill to climb, especially without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. And they've had a lot of other injuries too. Um, you know, and, and Morant hasn't been completely indestructible he's been very good but he's you know still has a lot of his game to kind of pick up um defcon level i'm gonna say i'm gonna say four just because they're not too far out of the play-in mix so you know they win a bunch of games to get into the play-in mix and you're healthy and ready in time for the play-in then you can certainly find yourself in a playoff scenario. So I certainly shouldn't rule it out that way, but the chunk of games they lost, they already have 22 losses. You know, if they won out, which would be completely unprecedented, but the best possible record they could ever finish with would be 60 and 22. Um, More likely, you know, they would max finish with, if they went 40 and 10 uh, or no 30 and 10, if they went 30 and 10 over the remaining schedule, they would go, uh well no 45 29 45 yeah so, something like that um like i said it's not up to 82 but you know somewhere in there somewhere in there so they have 50 games left if they went 40 and 10 that's right they would finish with 50 wins 32 losses 40 and 10 is an 80 percent winning percentage not even the uh celtics are winning that much right now um so it's tricky but they can slip into the play in at the moment um, so I'll say DEFCON level four and I'll spare okay. everyone else the shoddy math that I'm trying to do at a moment's notice, but yeah, I'll say DEFCON four. What would you say on that? Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, four or five for sure. 
Gotcha. So you're just trying to play a little more devil's advocate I, on that I, one. Yeah, I just I just wanted to see. Okay. Yeah, see. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm kind of gonna go similar, not with a team that has a star player returning, but I mentioned just earlier in the episode that I decided to change one of my topics to the Jazz. The Jazz are ahead of the Grizzlies. They have um, five more wins and three less losses, so they're a little bit better there. But they're currently 12th in the West. With how they're playing right now, and this is a lot more of a tame one, but um, why? what is your DEFCON level on the Jazz climbing into the top eight in the West? Mm. So, and just for context for the listening audience, the ahead of them right now at 11 are the Warriors, at 10 the Lakers, the Rockets are at 9, and then the Suns are at 8. So that would be the teams they would kind of need to pass. Yeah, I... I'm going to go with a 4 as well. I almost said 5, but then it's like... (laughs) Well, you gave the Grizzlies four, so I can't I can't give the Jazz four yeah. or uh five, you know. Um just because you know I definitely can see them passing one or two teams, you know. The Rockets mm. I think will probably drop out, uh, you know, uh, drop lower. Um, you know, if they had to pass someone, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets drop out. Uh, and then potentially the Lakers or Warriors or Suns, mm. but like all of them, I just don't think that's feasible. I think I think the Rockets and one of a one of those other teams, it's pretty reasonable for them to pass. Mm. And you know the Pelicans are are you know higher. They're a sixth right now, but. Again, those records are so close, and I I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans drop out either. Mm. Um, but I just don't think I don't think that they. I I am glad the Jazz are improved. I think that they're going to get things figured out to set themselves up for some success. But I mm. don't think it's going to be more successful than what these other teams are also going to be figuring out. You know. Yeah. No, I think they that's fair. It, yeah, and if we're being realistic. For sure. And I I want to be a little bit delusional and try and do a little <laughs> bit of manifesting. And I would say a DEFCON 3 and somewhere in the middle, like, it could happen. You know, maybe they go on a nice run. Maybe teams have injuries. Um, mm-hmm. So for so for my selfish purposes, I'm going to say DEFCON 3. All right. <laughs> I like it. Is it realistic? Not really, but it's what I want to <laughs> say. Okay. But anyways, what All what right. have you got next for me or Wyatt? Yeah. All right. So Timberwolves. Um obviously we've talked about how they're leading the West right now. Big win over the uh Lakers, and they've talked me into giving them second in my power rankings. And mm. now they've talked me into a pow- into a uh DEFCON level. So go wolves. Um mm. what is the DEFCON level? of them finishing the regular season with a higher winning percentage that they're at than they're at currently. So they're currently at uh 0.75. Mm. 
Do you think that they will uh, improve upon that? Or well, I guess what's the DEFCON level of them improving upon that? That is an interesting one. And tying clarify. Yeah, tying or improving. Um, a win percentage of 75% would either be, it, it's 61.5 if we do it across the whole season. So 61 would be just below that. 62 would be just above that. So the chances of them winning 62 or more games at the end of the year. Um, oh, that's tough because they have been so good to start the season and they've been a bit of a surprise. Uh, I think, I think a pretty big surprise for us, you know, looking back, let me go actually check our power rankings, preseason power rankings. I had the Timberwolves at like 13th. I had them projected to win just like 42 games. You know, they've been a big surprise for me. I think you probably had a similar, yeah, 13th as well. So they've been a surprise. They've been great. The Gobert-Towns tandem has worked out very well for them. Of course, Nas Reed, as we talked about, coming off the bench. And then the um, the steps forward by Anthony Edwards have been great. Um you know, it it's tough. For their sake, I would really like to go. I'll go DEFCON 3. I'll cop out. DEFCON 3. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because, I mean, 14-1 and one at home. They're getting the job done at home. The road record, 10-7, and seven, not bad. I'd like to see that maybe a little bit better. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. So they've kept a steady pace. Um, so I think that there's kind of an e- equal chance that they, you know, get even a little bit better or they keep it going and maybe just, you know, a slight fall off to closer to 70% or something like that. I feel like it go either Mm -hmm. way, but you know, there's certainly going to be, I would think, you know, easily top four, they'll hang out there. They'll, whether they stay at one, it's pretty likely, but again, maybe there's a team. I mean, the thunder are only a game behind them. So I'll go DEFCON three because I feel like it's kind of right in the middle. I'm not, it's hard to, feel strongly about they go higher or lower. They're kind of, you know, right where they, you know, it feels right where they're at. And so I'd go DEFCON 3, I suppose. Okay. I like it. Yeah. yeah would I, you... I would I would concur. I would maybe even say uh, four, three or four, just because, um, <clears> you know, <throat> I think about the remainder of the season, other teams are going to be, you know, maybe more concerned about getting some wins to get up into a better position. Mm-hmm. So the com- competition in theory might get a little bit more uh, rigid. Although with the in-season tournament, you know, that throws a whole new wrench into things, which, you know, maybe teams were playing more competitively then too. So, but yeah, yeah I, I would concur three or four. For sure. No, I think that's a, a fair point. Um, with that, let me go ahead and talk about another Western conference team. We were, um, kind of heavy on West teams in this uh, <laughs> this DefCon level segment, um, but yeah. let's go ahead and, and wrap it up here with um, another Western Conference team. Like we mentioned before, we're talking LA Clippers. Um, they've been great. Kawhi, his numbers have been, you know, at times approaching what he did in Toronto in their title run. So that's been very impressive. Uh, the hardened fit and especially Westbrook being so professional about coming off the bench and his impact there. They've had some great bright spots. Again, Mason Plumlee coming back in to give them depth at the center spot. You got to like what's going on with the Clippers and, and Ty Lue coaching them. Why, what is your DEFCON level 
on the Clippers returning to the conference finals in this upcoming playoffs? Two. Two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I started to think about it for a second. Um, but I, I think I'm going to stick with it. Um, wow. I now traditionally I haven't liked the Clippers as a franchise. <laughs> in mm, fact, I I would say for several years they were my least favorite team in the NBA, uh, bordering on or you know, yeah, bordering on second to least favorite with the uh, Warriors because I didn't I didn't really like the Warriors, especially Draymond Green, which mm. who does like that guy, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Sorry, Draymond. Not really. Um, <laughs> the uh, but I like them now, man. I I think that I think that it's been fun to watch them, you know, integrate this much star power into their lineup and you know their bench. Uh, I think the depth is extremely impressive considering the amount of star power that they have, mm-hmm. uh, especially. I think that they would be a really fun team to watch. And I, I think they have the experience and the personnel to really <clears throat> drive them to a, a very successful playoff run. Hmm. Um, now, you can't discount the Nuggets, obviously, coming off of their win last year and with their talent and experience as well. Uh, the Thunder... You know, they're playing great, but uh, you know, no disrespect to them. I don't I don't really feel like if I were on the Clippers, I'm not like threatened by them necessarily, uh, in a seven game series. Uh be you know, to do that. Um, despite, you know, a successful regular season so far. Timberwolves, <clears throat> uh I think they have the personnel. I don't know if they have the experience uh, necessarily. Obviously, they have some good veteran players, but not a lot of playoff success there mm. uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. Am I am I wrong? I mean, they made the playoffs a couple of years ago, but lost in a first round series. So yeah, and like they have Conley <clears throat> and Gobert, who mm-hmm. similar, like you know. Well, I mean, round exits. Yeah, I mean, Conley had he was a young point guard on those Grizzlies teams that made it to the conference finals. Yeah, year. true. But that was a long time true. ago. Yeah. So you know, I I think that the Nuggets are their biggest competition for. Um, well, pause. The Nuggets and also some of these, you know, slow rolling. Uh, teams in the western conference like the suns the lakers the warriors some of these mm. uh <clears throat> teams that you know are experienced and have stars but aren't necessarily killing it in the regular season you know mm. i i wouldn't be surprised if one of them bumps the clippers uh but i i still am going to give them two because i think they're I think that to have, you know, to have the big changes for Toronto to be able to work them out and as quickly as he did, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with their depth and star power, I think they'll be a tough team to beat, um, especially if we continue to see the strong performances and coaching that has been present so far this season. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's a fair pick. I would say three or four. I mean, I, Wyatt knows that Kawhi is one of my favorite players um, in the current NBA. And I've been same boat as far as Clippers, not really being a favorite team in the past. Um, I think it could happen. And of course it hasn't been too long ago that they were in the conference finals. Um, But a lot of these other teams have just been a little bit more exciting at this point in the season, but we'll have to see, you know, it's definitely early to, to say for sure, but I respect Respect your thoughts on that. My last thought is <clears throat> I just wish the Clippers had better uniforms because their uniforms <laughs> right now are just so soulless. But that's a whole other tangent. I don't want to get on my role of of uniforms and focusing on that. But um, I think that should take care of our, our DEFCON levels segment for, for this week. So uh, great job, Wyatt. I think we had some great topics there. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. And... Uh, We've alluded to it a few times. Let's go ahead and start the process to name our newest weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. All right. It's been a few weeks since we've had our, you know, naming of MVP actual conversation on the the, uh, podcast last couple of times. I think I've just kind of had the name picked before we even started the episode. Um, Our most recent MVP was Anthony Edwards in week nine, but it's week 10 and we have 10 fresh candidates for you uh, to go ahead and uh, share as far as who we have as top picks for the MVP. Uh, We have Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, Chris Epps, Porzingis, Brandon Ingram, Tyrese Halliburton, and Malcolm Brogdon rounds out our top 10 names. Uh, we have them picked not only on their individual stats, but also these are players that had winning records in the week um, and were positive impacts to that winning for those teams. So we've got a number of names. This is the first chance either of us have had to really kind of comb into these stats um, and figure out which players are standing out. Um, as I'm looking at it, there's maybe one or two names that are jumping off the page a little bit, but why I'm going to send it over to you. Who's uh, some of the names, like maybe one or two names that are really jumping out um, of these players that would maybe be a pick for an MVP. Yeah. Luka Doncic and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, definitely for me. Okay. Are the two names that really stand out. I mean, Luka's numbers are just, ridiculous almost 43 points uh is what he averaged over the last three games seven rebounds 10 assists uh four turnovers two steals two blocks uh 52 percent from the field 41 from three almost 90 from the free throw line i mean it's hard to really find a fault there i maybe the turnovers are a little high uh i would i would definitely say that um, but impressive stats from him, and and then Tyrese Halliburton, uh, you know his points were significantly lower, which is the the main reason why I'm leaning toward Luca out of my two, because he was only 25 compared to 43 from Luca, um, and then five rebounds, almost 18 assists, 
uh, and only two turnovers. So I like his ratio better for sure. Uh, almost two steals, almost a block, uh, 51 and 42 from field and three, uh, and then 71 from the free throw line. So, you know, also great numbers like all these guys have, but I, I'm definitely leaning toward Luca this week. Okay. And I can't say I argue against it. I mean, we've mentioned there are some weeks where there's three or four names that are all really close. There's some weeks where there's a name that immediately jumps off the page. And Luca certainly is that. I mean, that 42.7 points. The second leading guy here, Shea Gilders Alexander, had 33.5. So it's a big golf. But SGA is actually another player I wanted to highlight. 4 0 in the week. So that is a big plus. Um, about five rebounds, six and a half assists, 1.5 turnovers. So a solid ratio there, as we like to talk about. Um, one and a half steals, one block. So good defensive numbers as well. He shot 62% from the floor, nearly 40% from three, 94% from the free throw line. So arguably the some of the best overall shooting numbers of any of these guys, especially from the floor. And then he was a plus 14. Again, we know that the plus minus number can be sometimes misleading, but that's still very impressive. The time he was on the floor over four games, a little bit bigger sample size four wins undefeated. And he did it in 34 minutes compared to Lucas 39. So I think those are some definite things to keep in consideration. He's a name in that mix. I also like Halliburton. I'd probably, you know, certainly isolate those three guys, Luca Halliburton and SGA as kind of the leaders, but it is hard to argue against Luca. Yeah. So I don't know. Is, is, is Luca, <laughs> yeah. Is Luca kind of your top pick? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he would be my top pick. I, I, I mean, SGA's 62% from the field is impressive. Uh, and you know, I give props to Giannis too. He was, he was our highest from the field on our list here, 64%. Mm-hmm. And he also had great uh, statistics otherwise, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning toward Luca. Yeah. I mean, personally. I, I would lean there as well. Yeah. Average 40 uh, points per game over three games. That's pretty phenomenal numbers. You have the seven boards and the 10 assists as well. The defensive numbers are there. The percentages are there, 50, 40, almost 90. Um, it's really hard to argue against that. <clears throat> so I would be willing to lock that in. Do you think we should we should go ahead and do that? Let's do it. Let's do it. And he is actually going to be this season's first repeat winner. He won in week <gasps> one. And now he is a second-time winner here in Week 10. So a big congratulations as I write his name in. We're fitting him in into this corner between names. Hopefully I don't run out of space. Oh, it's going to be close. A little bit wobbly. I'll go ahead and show it to Wyatt there. You can kind of see. Nice. It looks good. It's a little bit squiggly, but congratulations. Well-deserved. Luka Doncic, Luka Magic continues. He has our Week 10 MVP. Luka, if you're nearby, you're playing in Denver or Utah, and you want to stop by our studio and accept your award, we'd love to have you. Um, So, again, well-deserved. And we'll go ahead and clear the board for next week's conversation, and we'll see who comes up next week for our next weekly MVP. And, again, congratulations. First multi-time winner this season 
Luka Doncic. With that, let's jump into our final, uh, well, final conversation type segment. Um, we're adding this in since we're not doing a Wednesday episode. We're actually going to give you uh, a couple of weekly predictions on this episode. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Weekly predictions. Okay, we mentioned the trade right at the beginning of the show, OG Ananobi for RJ Barrett. I want to focus on the Knicks side of that trade with my weekly prediction this week. And here's what I've got for you. The new look Knicks will leap into the top three in the Eastern Conference by the end of January. A little bit bold potentially, but that's my take. Um, I just like the the defensive aspect compared to Randall and Brunson, who are a little bit more offensive. Um, you know, seems like a little bit more of a balanced mix. You have Precious Achiwa who's going to help their inside presence with Mitchell Robinson out for the year. Um, I think that, you know, Tom Thibodeau, who's a defensive-minded coach or has been much of his career, he's going to love having a guy like OG on there. And, um, I mean, they're seventh in the East right now. They are about five games behind Philadelphia, who's the third team in the East. So if they have a great run and Philly, you know, stumbles or milwaukee stumbles they could maybe jump in there so that's my prediction for uh this week wyatt let's hear what you've got all right um so mine also revolves around the eastern conference and my prediction is that the eastern conference will have the same top six teams uh in you know the top six when the playoffs begin so at the Mm. end of the regular season interesting so that kind of our ours are kind of at odds here well not necessarily i guess because the the knicks could jump up into third and then back out by the playoffs but they come yeah so right now the top six are the celtics bucks sixers magic heat and pacers um okay so you know of course we have the the knicks and the Cavs both knocking on uh, the the Pacers door there for number six, um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I like I like the top six in the East. I think that they're solid teams. Uh, you know, obviously I wouldn't discount. Uh, you know, kind of the next four teams for sure, but definitely not the Knicks and the Cavaliers right there in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I don't think it's uh I don't think it's that wild of a prediction. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. And uh, so you're just saying those same teams, regardless of the order in the top six, right? Right. Yeah, I almost did order, but that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that would be that'd be pretty bold as well. So no, I like that too. And and yeah, maybe the Knicks jump up and then jump right back out, and then we'd both be satisfied. But yeah, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it's gonna be no matter what happens, it's gonna be an exciting finish. You know, historically. It's been, oh, the West is much more competitive than the East, but in terms of, you know, more wins from the West than the East. But lately, I really love the intrigue that comes out of the Eastern Conference, and especially the play-in yeah. tournament gets a little more exciting, and there's there's plenty of, of talent and teams that are interesting in the East. So I think it's going to be fun to watch that um, as we go into the rest of the season. So, yeah, great prediction. Um some fun predictions there. We'll of course have those posted on our social pages um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So definitely check those out. That being said, let's jump into our weekly forecast to start wrapping up this episode. 
And uh, we're just going to focus on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, of course, since Tuesday night's games have um, basically all been finished at this point uh, that we're recording it. On Wednesday, we have 12 games. And again, all the times that I will give for these games uh, starting are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're potentially planning schedules. Wednesday, 12 games, two national broadcasts. Firstly, ABC, interestingly enough, will be host uh, at 830. will be uh, broadcasting the Knicks hosting the Bulls. Um, interesting choice. Um I mean, Bulls are are competitive and, and Knicks are competitive. Those are two teams in that seven through ten mix. Uh, you would think an an ABC matchup would be something like, you know, Nuggets Celtics or something. But anyways, that'll be a, a game on ABC. So check that out if you want. And then uh, on ESPN at ten o'clock, the Los Angeles Lakers will host the Miami Heat. That one should be interesting as well. Jimmy Butler versus LeBron. A lot of intrigue there. Your remaining games on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, the Bucks are in Indianapolis against the Pacers. That's going to be the last of the five meetings this season between those teams. Again, the Pacers currently lead that series 3-1. to one. Also at 7, you have the Cavaliers hosting the Wizards. At 7.30, the Thunder are in Atlanta against the Hawks. Uh, three games at 8 o'clock, Timberwolves host the Pelicans, Raptors in Memphis against the Grizzlies, and then the Rockets host the Brooklyn Nets. At 8.30, the Mavericks host the Trailblazers. Nine o'clock, the Pistons are in Utah against the Jazz. That's local access only, so Jazz Plus if you want to see that one. Uh, Nine o'clock as well, the Suns host the LA Clippers. And then at 10, the Kings host the Magic. That would be the game from Wednesday night. I'd be most intrigued in Kings Magic, um, but there's some intrigue in those other games as well. On Thursday, there's only two games. and They're both national broadcasts, your TNT doubleheader. At 7.30, the Spurs will host the Bucks, a matchup of Wemby versus Giannis. And then at 10 o'clock, the Warriors will host the defending champs, the Denver Nuggets, um, especially Bucks spurs Wemby versus Giannis should be very intriguing. Um, I'm excited to check that one out. Uh, and then on Friday, 14 games, all but two teams are playing on Friday. And we have two national broadcasts that night, an ASPN doubleheader. At 7.30, the 76ers will host the New York Knicks. And then at 10 o'clock, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers will host the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, ja in Los Angeles for the first time, I believe, this season. So that should be very intriguing. Uh, or at least first time against the Lakers in Los Angeles this season. Uh, your remaining games, two games at seven. Pacers host the Hawks. And then the Celtics will host the Utah Jazz. Again, Jazz Plus if you want to check that out. Or if you're in Utah, KJazz, local cable channel, uh, you'll be able to watch it there. Um, that starts a string. The Jazz actually have um, that game against the Celtics, and then they will also play um, Saturday against the Sixers and then Monday against the Bucks. They have three straight games against the top three teams in the East. Uh, that's going to be very wow. intriguing to see how the Jazz respond to that type of a gauntlet. Um, two games at 730, the Cavaliers will host the Washington Wizards, and then also the Brooklyn Nets will host the Oklahoma City Thunder Three games at 8 o'clock, Clippers at Pelicans, Timberwolves at Rockets, and then Hornets at Bulls. At 8.30, the Mavericks will host the Trailblazers. 9 o'clock, the Heat are in Phoenix against the Suns in your matchup of the two teams with the flaming ball logos. Um, also at 9 o'clock, the Denver Nuggets will host the Orlando Magic. And then finally, two games at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors host the Detroit Pistons. I don't know why when I typed that last game, I had this thought, but I feel like the Pistons are going to win that game in Golden State. Don't know, <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> I just, I'm going with that. But 
regardless, Wyatt, I, we've pointed out a few games. What's a game that jumps out to you that you're wanting to check out this upcoming week? Well, first of all, I just got to throw out there, it's not that unlikely because the Pistons have already won one game on the road. So they have. <laughs> <laughs> they could go too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry, Detroit. You've been picked on tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So games that I'm interested in Wednesday, I think the Clippers at, at Phoenix against the Suns would be a fun game to watch. You know, we've talked about the Clippers a lot tonight and then the Suns having their big three, uh, you know, playing together. Hopefully they'll still be, <laughs> you know, they'll still be uh, playing together. No new injuries um, for Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow night's game, um, which I guess at this point is likely. Uh, and then other games that kind of stand out to me, I think that the, you know, I think the Nuggets and Warriors game uh, would be good. And, you know, like you said, Bucks and Spurs, you know, Wemby and Giannis would be pretty enjoyable too. Uh, and then Friday, uh, I kind of am liking the um, – Knicks and Sixers. I think that would be an enjoyable game to watch uh, in the Eastern Conference. For sure. No, I think that would be a pretty solid pick as well. Um, Hard to go wrong with those for sure. I think there's a lot of great basketball coming up this week. So uh, if you can, if you have League Pass or at the least you have these national broadcasts, definitely tune in. There's going to be a lot of exciting stuff to watch for. But um, that takes care of the bulk of our show. Real quick, let's do our This Day in History fact for you. Uh, January 2nd, we're going back to the year 2000, uh, 19,600 fans watched the Miami Heat defeat the Orlando Magic 111 to 103 in the first game at the Heat's new American Airlines arena. And I thought we should point this one out because that arena is an underrated arena, but it's also been home to some pretty significant NBA history over the last 20 plus years. You're talking about, uh, Shaq and D Wade's championship and the heat's first championship in 06 lebron's first championship the the two titles the heat had in the early 2010s um you know the second ever eighth seed to make it to the finals this past uh season so it's a pretty significant arena and the seats have the cool heat flame pattern so that's cool as well (laughs) but um no yeah that just thought it'd be relevant to talk about that, but otherwise uh, that takes care of the bulk of our show. Why any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? Uh, Just happy new year, everyone excited for the new year and happy birthday tomorrow to Karsten. So text in to our non-existent text number. Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> I I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, definitely going to have some plans with uh, my girlfriend. We're going to, I don't know if she has some sort of surprise in mind, so nice. we'll see what happens, but no, I'm excited about that. Thank you, Wyatt, for the well wishes. Um, thanks everyone out there for tuning in. We appreciate it. As Wyatt said, happy new year. Um, with that, that takes care of our show and uh, we'll be back on Friday for a normal episode. 